0: The show you're about to hear is a member of the Planes Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to PlanesTalkersPodcast.com. Whatever. it's a, We all know that Emrakul is Annihilator, your opponent's board. Anyway, hey, Julian, you think we could fit uh, like Price of Progress or uh, <laughs> Back to Basics in that, in that show until <laughs> back?
1: I don't see why not. <laughs>
0: Um, I don't remember. Is, is it normal for these lists to only run four blasts? I thought they ran like six. Yeah. Like, um, like four. They usually see like five
2: or six, but I guess if you want to harness the power of chromatic star, you, you got to make some cuts.
0: I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Stalkers podcasting network, and we're here to talk magic.
1: Matt, what's going on today? We've got Julian today. He is the host of the Everyday Eternal podcast, probably the best Legacy Elves player in the world, by far uh, one of the top Legacy players in the world, in my opinion. The winner of the 2018 MKM Hamburg Legacy main event. He's the winner of the September 2021 Showcase Challenge just a couple months ago, and five-time FNM winner. So That's you know what those Friday one. Night Magic wins. You can uh, really trust his opinion.
0: <laughs> so hey, Julian. Uh, it's, we're super happy to
1: have you on. How are you doing today?
0: Hey guys! Awesome, awesome! Thanks for the invite. And uh, you're selling me short. I actually won
2: nine F&Ms by now. Nine? Wow.
1: You snuck in another one, huh? Yeah, a couple. You said five.
2: Yeah, my 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 LTS actually started offering legacy F&Ms before they stopped doing legacy because legacy players are first of all weird, second of all they compa- uh, complain about prices, and third of all they mm-hmm. always crash the the toilet lid, which is like the weirdest thing I've <laughs> ever heard. But that's there's three <laughs> reasons the LTS doesn't do legacy anymore.
0: We uh, we went to a Legacy tournament in Ohio recently, and we got there early. Uh, I had to use a restroom because we had a long drive, and the restroom was like really clean and it smelled good. And I went there after round one, and it was none of those things anymore. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the, the restroom was immediately destroyed by the Legacy. So I can confirm.
2: Oh, so, so you you must be working for my OCs though. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm just saying maybe we have some of the same people. Maybe we have some people fly in from from the Europe scene to to, to play to, to play in our uh, 1K. <laughs> i have done it before. I've been to the S, to the S for our legacy. Have you flown in for a little measly 1K? I mean, I know you like you were going to come in for the 1K in... Uh, was that in Kentucky? Uh, the, one, the, 100, the, 100, the 100K. K, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually came
2: over in 2014 for the Legacy GP in New Jersey. And we also played in FNM, but it wasn't a Monday night. So it was more like a Monday night Legacy. And I was there in 2017 for another Legacy GP in Vegas.
0: Did you happen to go to the Leaving a Legacy event? I know that a lot of people flew in from Europe for that.
2: No, no, I, I didn't. But,
0: not the leave i'm sorry not the legacy pit the legacy pit had a had a large like five or six k. they did recently They're leaving a legacy without
2: yeah, actually up until recently it was like really hard to get into the it was basically impossible to get into the u.s from europe uh i think it's possible now uh but yeah i i skipped the 100k and i think they yeah they actually they canceled right because yeah, i did it, not it have kind of them like out. it's not worth it okay Julian's not gonna be there huh maybe next year.
0: He, he was he was hanging on, and then when he saw Julian's name get taken off, he was like, you know what? I'm done.
1: Yep, not worth our time anymore, guys. Crash it.
0: <laughs> I remember I saw, it was going around Reddit for a while. He was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name who was running Tell it. Me. But he was going around, like, calling people. Uh, Jeremy? Yeah. Um, He was calling people and trying to get refunds out and get paid. And, like, I guess a lot of people were giving him, like, a really, really hard time and, like, berating him for choosing to cancel his event for whatever reason he wants to.
2: Making content or organizing tournaments in some way is the same, that you always have people who are... I guess, dissatisfied or, or pissed off um, with uh, or putting something together like this. What a lot of people maybe don't know is that he actually twice sent out gifts to everybody who was signed up to the tournament uh, because it got rescheduled twice. And every time he actually he sent a letter to everybody all around the world. And he, he sent us some pretty nice cards. I actually don't remember the first one, but the second one was some kind of FNM promo turnabout I got. like And he did that for everybody who was signed up for the event. So props to him
0: that's a lot of work and that was really cool of him to do like that like the thing like he didn't have to do that and he just chose to to like try and help people out and like as a, an apology and yeah as new content creators i can confirm that it's surprising how many people on, on the internet just want to tell us we're doing a bad
1: job yeah and only half of them are right
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow you,
1: you're already like at
2: the good ratio for us it's like very more actually like people are pretty happy i guess
0: I don't know, man. It seems like every time I throw up a, a link to it on Reddit or whatever, I get four or five comments being like, why are you doing this? What? No one wants to listen to this. And it's like, That's okay, dude, you don't have to. I mean, if it's constructive criticism,
2: it's going to help you out quite a bit. Otherwise, you can exactly. just outright ignore it. Like, otherwise, you're going to go crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah, the people that come in and try and, like, like, ask for timestamps or ask for us to cover different content. That's oh, you should thing. do that. But yeah, the guys that are just like...
2: Dude, my recommendation, timestamps, ever since I started doing it, people are so happy about that. So, I will definitely always do those. Even though I know it's yeah. a pain in the ass to, to create them, but yeah.
0: I I did them from our last video, and I really, like... like I like how it looks. I like how it runs. People seem to be happy with it. So I will for sure be on the timestamp time stamp train. from Team timestamp. Team timestamp. <laughs> Matt, we're on a Julian team. Sweet. There's three of us. I mean, you know what they say about Legacy. It's the format that has more podcasts than players.
1: <laughs> that's 100% true.
0: <laughs> that's certainly, yeah. The number's definitely gone up over COVID because no one could play. Right. Everyone's like, I'm just dying to talk magic. I'll talk into a microphone.
1: I know, that's basically what happened with us. Yep, basically.
2: Yeah, how long have you guys actually been around? Because uh, like the Cantrip cartel, that, that's a term that people have used for ages, but I, I didn't even know it was a podcast until you approached me.
0: We definitely stole the name. Our pod. This is going to be our thirteenth episode, so we're we're just over three months in, and we were we were kind of thinking about what we wanted to call our podcast. We knew we wanted it to be something catchy, something that kind of related to eternal formats. And I thought of Cantrip Cartel because one of our like kind of baseline opinions is maybe the Cantrips are like a little too good for Legacy. Like maybe Legacy having all the Cantrips ponder, preordained, brainstorm is kind of too good. So as a little bit of an inside joke to us, we named our podcast like some of the most powerful and maybe most broken cards.
2: Do you know which one is actually the most broken Cantrip in all of Legacy? And it's not blue, it's actually white. Do you know which one? I don't. Uh -uh. Have you guys ever heard about the crazy card that is Bargain? Like Bargain? Yeah. Or Bargain? No, no, Bargain. Like Chuckmoth Bargain, but just Bargain. No, well, I bet Google's heard of it. It's probably the most broken card in Out of Legacy that nobody ever plays. It's literally the best draw spell the Legacy has ever seen, but nobody's playing it.
1: What's yeah, it
0: do? That it's wow. That is surprise. I can't believe no one plays that. That's really good. Have you put it up right now? It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I pulled it up. Yep. <laughs> Matt just agree it's really good. Don't look at it.
1: Tell me what it does.
0: <laughs> um for the low low price of 2 and a white, you can have an opponent draw a card so you gain seven life.
1: Sweet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what? I That's think That's definitely better than Brainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about splashing white in elves? Yeah, exactly for this I card. I have uh... Yeah, just not for Prismatic Ending, not for Swords, just this. Yeah,
1: definitely not for Archon of Valor's Reach. That's hilarious. Just for
0: Bargain. <laughs> All right, before we get started, Julian, was there anything you wanted to plug? You wanted your podcast, any event you got coming up, something you want everybody to know about?
2: Uh, Everybody, guys, you're, I, I guess your listenership is in, in mostly the US. Uh, at least that's what's what it's like for our podcast. So you guys should come to Kenya and go on a holiday in Kenya, go on safari, hang out there on the beach and have a great time there. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I want to plug my I, podcast, Everyday Eternal, at EternalMtg, and if you want to find me, um, at It's Julian Twenty Three on Twitter, and every once in a blue moon, I also stream on Twitch.tv slash It's Julian.
0: So we'll we'll talk about magic eventually today, I promise. I watch your uh your your regular posts on your Discord about um like safaris you're putting together, and I know you haven't seen them, Matt. They're scary affordable. Like they break down to like what like one hundred and fifty bucks a day. That's not bad. Yeah, it's like a seven or eight day safari, and some of them I've seen him put together are less than two hundred dollars a day, and you'll hit like 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 three parks over the course of a week, and you it's absurd how cheap how how affordable they are. Right? You're The
2: first person cool. to
0: ever tell me the safaris are cheap,
2: <laughs> you're, you're like I've been doing this for I think close to nine years now. You're literally the first person to ever told me it's cheap.
0: Okay, I'm not saying it's cheap, but I'm saying like in the like in the perspective of like you having think someone flying
1: hold- to Africa and having someone give you a tour yeah. of a. Another country and would be like tens of thousands of dollars.
0: Yes, that's I was kind of under the impression that like when like like rich people go on safari, they spend. 30 grand and go on a safari it's
2: funny you mentioned 30 grand because that's what the, the exact safari I was going to bring up i had um very rich people <laughs> from spain and when the agent tells me um she would tell me oh by the way they are flying in on business class so you know which kind of service they're looking for mm. and i actually put together thirty 000 euro safari dollars but like for oh, safari you, you can have any like you can literally pay any price it's funny you say 150 because that's already still affordable but on average it's more like 200 to 300 euros um a night for the ones yeah. we offer but I also can give you um like camping safaris, literally camping safaris, and for those you are more like sixty to a hundred, and Easy but weeks. then you're like on your own in the national park, and good luck with that.
1: Yeah,
0: maybe maybe I'll spring
1: the extra. What are the odds you get eaten by a lion?
2: Uh, super if low. If you're on the camping, like, like <laughs> the lions, the lions literally don't care, but the hippos, the hippos are the really scary ones.
1: But they're not hippos zero.
0: Ca- hippos kill more people than lions
2: every year. They do. The hippos are brutal. They're the most dangerous animal in, all, in Afri- all of Africa. Yeah, I actually I remember one well, not a client of mine, but one I guess tourist got eaten by lions because she literally she walked into a national park because she wanted to like quote unquote live along the lions, and that didn't really work out.
0: No, that seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: <laughs> yeah. why you get me right. I'm I'm telling you, don't do that. Get in the car, drive around,
0: yeah. game drives. That's where yeah, it's get- at. Get with the professional. Yeah. Julian's a professional. He knows what he's That's doing. That's what they're paying me the money for, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what's buying those sweet, sweet dual lands. Right? <laughs> yeah, Savannah's. <a> right? <laughs> I think we're good to kind of get going. Do we want to pop in on to what we're thinking about? The The biggest event of the year is coming up when it comes to Legacy and Vintage. you know, Eternal Weekend, at least as, as far as the states go. This is the biggest tournament we're going to have all year. And it's coming up in like two and a half weeks. And there was a huge announcement about it recently that the Legacy World's kind of been going crazy on, where Wizards came out and they made an announcement saying, we're not going to ban anything before Eternal Weekend. And Matt and I kind of went back and forth on this last week, how in one part, we're super happy they made an announcement because it would be awful going into a tournament when you know a card might get banned. It's too hard to test. It's hard to build a deck. Heaven forbid the card gets banned a week out and everything you've done is ruined. But we were also kind of bummed out that like we kind of wanted to see the legacy meta get shook up a little bit. We're kind of in a opinion that it's kind of stale. We're not really in love with the Ragavan murktide meta. So I kind of wanted to get your opinion on, like, were you happy to see that no cards are leaving? Did you want to see some cards get banned? What are you thinking? Well,
2: first of all, I really, really like that they... Put out that kind of statement because usually when whenever there's been uh, restricted announcements and people are hoping for a ban legacy and it doesn't happen, Wizards doesn't even mention the format in the first place. Like that's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, instances like, for example, for Astrolabe they, they said, okay, if the numbers are going to increase, then we're going to ban it, but that happens pretty rarely. So for them to actually go out, well, it's not really going out of their way, right, but for them to actually give us this insight into, okay, this is what you will be working with for Eternal Weekend, that's just, to me that gives me a lot more motivation to work on stuff, because now I'm 100% confirmed okay, this is what what I have to well, try and break i mean it's kind of broken mm-hmm. already but to me it gave me a ton more motivation to to look into it and i understand that like people it's tweeted about it right i understand that people want change to happen right now and that's for example why anorak ran the tournament uh where, Anor- uh, where anorak was banned yeah he, he was banned as well i guess <laughs> where uh ragavan was banned and it's it sent really great vibes and people enjoyed it quite a bit but just wizard like i i i want to Give Wizards some kind of positive, um, feedback on them communicating with the legacy community. So to, you know, incentivize to, to, for them to do it more often. So I'm really, really happy to, to, to see that this is what we're working with for Eternal Weekend.
0: Yeah, that was our main takeaway was even though we're not necessarily happy with the announcement in particular, we I, I love hearing anything from Wizards. Like their communication is so sparse sometimes. You'll go eight, nine months and hear nothing about. I mean, how long did we go with Oko? And Oko kind of warping the meta and yeah. they just didn't say anything. So to come out and be like, hey, guys, you know, we know there's an issue. We're going to wait. We're for sure going to wait.
1: Since we're on that, Julian, do you were you hoping for a ban or do you think that uh, one is necessary? What do you think about You know, say after Eternal Weekend, what are you kind of hoping for Wizards to do?
2: Well, I I care much more about Murktide than Raga One. Like I wouldn't like. I'm in the camp of I really wouldn't mind if Raga One went away, but I also. Wouldn't mind if it was kept around as long as Merktite, um gets banned. But the thing is, something probably needs to change, even just because people are super like that. You can feel some really fatigue, and people don't really want to play. And the, like the legacy challenges on Saturday, they haven't fired in two months. And I think yeah. one part is that people don't enjoy the meta. Another part is people are also getting heavily discouraged by everybody talking about her. Everything is shit, even though I mean that yeah. th- that hasn't stopped people playing shit decks in the past even like when the meta was <laughs> yeah i mean right there's people going out there playing nick and stuff and that's never going to be competitive and people will play it in balanced meta games but now the draga one is around they're like oh no i can't play all of these decks and and i get that it invalidates a couple more decks right now there's more like seven decks i, I would really recommend i guess um charis you did a really good video where he summed it up the only deck i would add to that is um chess game at range because i've, I've been really happy about that deck but yeah um and the third part and i think that the third part doesn't get talked about enough is that the deck is insanely expensive. Like ones, I don't know how expensive they are right now, but even even tides are pretty expensive and I have never looked up Saga in the first place. But yeah, it's just like the perfect storm of the deck being unaffordable, the deck being really good and, or rather those cards, and people also like heavily talking down any other kind of deck in the format and yeah that's that that creates the 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 situation where we're in where legacy challenges don't fire and everybody's pissed and just because of that these three factors combined i would be very happy if something changed and i'm not even sure if it's just going to be roger one um i've been very
0: vocal about murktide being insane (laughs) but we will see the problem with murktide like, the problem with Murktide is it just ends the game in two turns.
1: And like, it dodges a lot of relevant removal. Yeah. Like, it's a combination of so many things. So you get two or three turns to deal with your Murktide. And by the way, Lightning Bolt doesn't kill it. Abrupt Decay doesn't kill it. Prismatic Ending doesn't kill it. Like, if you got a Swords, cool. But sword even then, just, your opponent's going to gain eight life from yeah, it. So the sword just buys
0: user. them enough time to cast another one. Right. Yeah, I mean, it this... you know, Ragavan... Oh, go ahead, Julian. Sorry. Yeah.
2: It, it creates this interesting strategic thing in the matchup where while you could, for example, let's say, um, sorts of plowshares or Raga one early on, you'd really much rather, um, prismatic ending it because you know that further down the game, you will have to handle Rugga, uh, Murktide, and Merktite can't be touched by prismatic ending. So you, you gotta have your Pyroblast, you gotta have your sorts of plowshares. And that's always been something in Legacy that where, where you have to like figure out how strategically the cards are supposed to trade for so that in the long run you will come out ahead, even though like right now you could could kill this Tarmogolf using card XYZ, but later on in the game you'd rather use that for something else, so it's better to take a couple of hits off the Tarmogolf. And I think that's a great thing. And to me, that's why I very much enjoy playing, for example, Blue Red Delver against um, Chess Guy, Ragavan, Sagavan, whatever, that, the deck I played in the, in the Showcase Challenge the other month. And that's something I really enjoy, but yeah, I, I I said in the in the Goldfish article as well where they interviewed a couple of people, um, legacy is just much bigger than that. And for mu- for as much as I enjoy playing like these very strategic matchups, there should be more because I think that's more something like you get out of standard, right? Where you got like a couple of decks facing off, and you've got it really figured out. But Le- legacy, you always want that that maverick factor that that's something crazy can happen. The rogue factor, and that's heavily suppressed right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Merktide, we, we we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about like how important it is to pair up removal to threats in the correct order. And it's like with Merktide being in the format, that's like such an if you mismatch your removal at any point in the game, you can easily pay for it with a game by losing on right. turn, five, turn five or turn six, because you just, yeah, you bolted or you plowed that DRC on turn two to stop their value train, and then on turn four, it's like, I have an 8-8, eight, eight, good luck.
1: Yep, swing twice and probably kill you. I think we're kind of in a similar boat. We
0: initially, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we were looking at a lot of the MHU cards, Ragavan, um, I was looking at DRC and Merc died probably a little more, because I think, like, Ragavan does a better job of, like, producing instant value in terms of if it hits, you get your treasure, you maybe get a card. But, like, I kind of, like, prioritize how DRC helps you just churn through your deck so quickly, especially when you get, like, if you get two of them out and you, like, when Brainstorm starts looking at five cards or Ponder looks at your like, four, five or six cards, I thought that was maybe going to be a little bit more of a problem. But the play numbers kind of back up that Ragavan's a little more of an issue than DRCs, but they're both crazy good cards.
2: Can we actually read that out of the, the, the numbers that we're getting? Like... The numbers are somewhat significant, not too significant, but do, do you like really read that Ragawan is the better card compared to Dragon Rage Channeler? Like we, we get the win percentage, but I'm not in sure In my
0: opinion, I I from from day one, I thought Dragon Rage Channeler was a more powerful or like a better card. Maybe like maybe more consistent, but like a stronger card than uh Ragavan. Like Ragavan's peaks are higher where it can like obviously it can swing in, make you a treasure, and get you a brainstorm off your opponent, and now it's just you know um dread arcanist but a lot of times your Merc your ragavan gets blocked by a one one it gets stonewalled it hits nothing it does make a treasure and that's nice whereas the deck like, the drc helps you get through your deck and like i have a like my opinion of magic is you never rely on your opponents to help you in any way and that includes <laughs> putting cards in their deck that you want to play so you know monkey lets you see their cards and they probably they might suck drc lets you see more of your cards that you know are good
2: yeah, Dragon Rage Channel is a card I really enjoy. Um it's probably also on the upper end of being too good. It's basically the card that pushed Delva out of the deck. And maybe that's that's not a great thing. Um but yeah, I, I really enjoy playing with it.
0: Yeah. The nice thing about Dragon Rage Channel over Ragavan is Dragon Rage Channel is a lot more narrow. Like Ragavan, and probably one of its big downsides is it goes in every deck. If you've got a red mana, you should be playing Ragavan. And Dragon Race Channeler is only really helping you a ton if you're cantripping through your deck with your ponders and your brainstorm, your pre order. Yeah, but
2: realistically, so that- if, you, if you're playing red and you're playing Ragavan, there's just like no way you're not playing blue. I guess that goes back to no, what no I said way. earlier. Like if people try to play like Naya Sue with Ragavan, I, I, I don't know where. I mean, people have, have done stuff like putting it into Goblins and all of that kind of, I want to say, it, nonsense. I don't know. I, I think if you, if you are committed to playing Ragavan, you're playing some kind of Blue Red X Ragavan.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you're playing Jeskai Ragavan, Blue Red Ragavan. Like, those are just where you should, like, that's where the meta is. That's where you should probably be. One of the things we talked about is, like, Ragavan's one of those cards that you're kind of dumb if you're not running Ragavan in your deck. <laughs> like, when you put mountains in your deck, Ragavan should follow.
1: And so should volcanic islands. And so should volcanic islands. Like, yeah,
0: and apparently so should steam vents.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the that's one of the problems with these cards is the decks kind of build themselves. Like you mm-hmm. just pick, like you just look at these cards and it's like, well, obviously these should all be together. And you can tell that was kind of the case there. It's uh, modern is having the same problem. The set, the uh, the format, the set was actually designed for. And initially, when these cards came out, they weren't really seeing a ton of play in Modern, but now they're starting to take over where challenges are starting to have like eight of the top 32 are uh, like uh, blue-red Murktide decks and stuff like that. And yeah, That's we're... just, to me, is super boring.
0: Modern is starting to see some homogenization where you get, you yeah, have blue-red Delver or these like four-color soup piles with yeah. um, all the elementals. Can't but... you like
1: almost literally play the
2: Legacy deck in Modern? Like the creature's suit and everything and like you downgrade the, the cantrips a threat... bit? It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the same deck. You just take out the good cantrips and put in bad ones.
0: Blue Red Modern Delver basically, basically, <laughs> Legacy Modern Delver won the Sunday challenge for Modern. Yeah. I think it came in, uh, I didn't, oh, I thought it came in third also, but it didn't. But yeah, like Blue Red Delver basically wins Modern like half the time because it's just good. And yeah, it's you downgrade your counter spells because you don't get Force of Will and you downgrade your cantrips because you don't get Brainstorm. Other than that, the same deck with the same threats. Well, oh, you make me want to play it in winter.
2: Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't see why you shouldn't try. I mean, right. what's better than Murktide's using vintage, Black Peter. Lotus to power out your Merktide?
0: Yeah, the thing right? is, like, Ragavan is probably super insane in vintage. Oh, oh my sure.
1: gosh! All the free artifacts off the yeah. Top. The
0: number of things you, I mean, like, because like vintage is homogenation central. The number of stuff, like, could you imagine Rag? I mean, so Ragavan in a blue X mirror is obviously crazy good. Could you imagine Ragavan in a Xerox mirror in vintage? Yeah, exactly. You know? that, that's what I was think. thinking. Like, thanks for that. Thanks for the Ancestral. I appreciate that.
1: Right. Ugh. Any of the power cards that, that hurts to both think of our of. decks are running.
0: Imagine swinging with your Ragavan, finding a Time Warp or a Time Walk.
1: <laughs> I'd rather hit the Ancestral, but yeah. Ugh. You're going to give me credit, right?
0: Once you win Eternal Weekend, all three events. You said it first.
1: Well, yep. I, I probably didn't go. say
2: it first. I've seen it many times now, <laughs> but I I'm gl- I'd gladly take the credit for it.
0: Well, I'm sure none of our uh, listeners heard anyone else you're 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 as right. far as the 200 ish people that are going to hear this you're the guy
1: nope there's that that's the dude who listens to us in belgium <laughs> he's the vintage player <laughs> he's like i love legacy and vintage i wish they would talk about vintage yeah more.
0: we're making something dream i'm true are you talking about tom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no idea uh, that's a, a, fa-
2: a very famous vintage player in belgium
0: we have on our on our on our anchor page we have we can look at like the listenership by country and we have like one person.
2: I'm so gonna reality. troll you. I'm gonna set up a VPN from I don't know North Korea. I don't know if that's <laughs> even possible. And then I'm gonna listen in. Like, oh, Kim Jong Un is listening to us.
0: Uh, Julian, I'm gonna tell you a secret. I don't care how you do it. If you're listening to our podcast, we're winning. <laughs> yep. Perfect.
1: Yeah, we'll provide links to VPNs for the North Korean audience. <laughs> sure. Or the Chinese audience so they can get past the, the firewall. Yeah, I just and you I know, want
2: people anyone to hear it. And that perfectly ties into the next sponsorship that you're gonna get. Dude, I've got this all figured out for you. I'm gonna become your manager.
1: Well, I
0: mean you let us know what percentage abort. you want.
1: <laughs> well he wants hundred <laughs> percent. We're gonna have to talk him down. I was just leaving that
0: conversation. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll discuss this off air. <laughs> i'll tell you what we'll, julian we'll just dis- we'll discuss it the next time you're a guest on our podcast sounds so you good. have to come back sounds good <laughs> well so speaking of uh, eternal weekend i think this year is gonna be the first year i'm actually gonna try and like set aside time and play an eternal weekend and i saw you on the discord obviously you're excited to play uh, one have you decided are you going to play in vintage this year and two like what are you taking at least primarily to the legacy i'm i'm definitely excited um i'm probably gonna play in as many as I can, Legacy and Vintage. Last
2: year I couldn't. Um we we were doing like the coverage for Wizards, but this year I, I can and I I have no idea what I'm gonna play. Like maybe I'm gonna play Elves, maybe I'm gonna play Cheske Roga One, maybe I'm gonna play Blue Red, even though I'm not super excited for it. And Vintage I'm just going to go to Justin Gennari. I am actually level one on tw- on Twitter, uh, on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to see what he recommends. And then I'm probably just going to play uh, Ravager Workshops or something because that's what I love playing in Vintage.
0: Oh, man. Oath of Druids is where it's at. I picked up an Oath of Druids list from him for uh, a Mana Trader series and ran like a straight like eight O with it. Oath of Druids is my favorite deck to play in Vintage. Bar none. It was so my much fun. very
2: first Vintage deck. Like, the first time I ever played Vintage was in two thousand and nine, and I borrowed power from a friend, and I played Oath in, at our local Vintage event. And I think I weighed zero and six. And like in the, in the semi to last round, I, w- I lost against some guy. And in the very last round, I lost against a sister who didn't even play Vintage, who just like tagged along and oh. she,
0: <laughs> and she crushed me in the Oath mirror. <laughs> <Rough>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that hurts. It didn't really hurt. Like it, it was a great experience for me. I bet it's tons of fun. I would love to play, I mean, like, I would love to play vintage in paper, but I also think I'd be too scared to touch anyone's power these days. That's what
1: I was going to say. Can you imagine, hey, Jake, I'm going to loan you my power in paper? <laughs> no, nah, dude.
0: Your friend handing you a house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose this. Like a well, like car, since, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Depends yeah, on the yeah, it's, it is. It's a luxury car. Yep. like An Oath of Druids deck, like, in paper is a luxury vehicle.
2: I remember a couple of years ago in Rome, I borrowed a vintage deck from a friend and it was all Korean foil. Uh, oh. I think it was more than one hundred K or something. It's kinda of crazy. it oh, would be gosh.
0: I mean that that's one of the coolest things ever, obviously. But like so scared. I would like look at your vintage foil Korean deck. <laughs> I don't want to touch it.
1: <laughs> you can you can set it out on the table and mm-hmm. I will look over them. That's <laughs> something like
0: I would take a selfie with that.
2: The thing at this point, I'm not even bothering to ask, um, just because I'm too scared to actually, like, if there's even, like, a zero point whatever percent chance that that I might lose it, like, my life is going to be ruined for decades, and I'd rather Uh not have that happen.
0: I mean, like, at that point, don't you hire private security to go with you? (laughs) Like, you've got two bodyguards? I...
2: I I don't want to jinx it, but I'm quite surprised that we haven't seen more robberies and stuff like at tournaments. Like if you if you go to, for example, if, have you guys heard of Bazaar of Moxon? That used to be like a really big tournament series in Europe. Yep, uh, I have. Yeah, and we, a couple of years ago in in Annecy in France, it's basically like a tiny town on a lake. It's actually not that tiny, but whatever. We we had somebody come in, he walked by a table and he literally just grabbed both decks and ran away. And outside there was a getaway car and he jumped to the getaway car and they drove off.
0: I heard some stories of a different podcast I listened to I can't remember who it was. They were talking about like Gen Con horror stories and they said one year Gen Con was like around Halloween ish. or yeah, a Gen Con. And so a bunch of people came dressed up as judges oh, and were yeah. doing deck checks yeah. and just stealing
1: decks. Yep.
2: That happened at Oweno but like a long time ago. We back then we called it an Italian deck check, which is not something I wanna say anymore because <laughs> Owenogaddon has gotten so much better. No, seriously, like Owen gotcha like that—that that was a long time ago. But yeah, that's that's where I first heard it. And people were like, "Oh yeah, g- g- you guys had you for a deck check. Give me your decks, blah blah blah. I'm gonna be back." Oof. Then after like ten, fifteen minutes, um, they're like, "Hey, where's the judge? Ch- judge ch- ch- with our deck?" And and the head judge uh, like you didn't have a deck check this round. And oh, at least in Europe, gosh. they changed it so you can actually walk with the judge to the table and watch them do the deck check, and your opponent can do the yeah. same. And obviously, it's gonna be a different table, so you don't see the other guy's deck. But yeah, that's that's what they do in vintage in Europe now.
0: I, I, we've talked about it, me and Matt, like I own one legacy deck and I've kind of scraped and clawed to get there. If you remember, the reason I like became a patron to your, to your, dis, or to your guys' channel and your podcast was you had a whole episode talking about like, Hey guys, we should care about getting new players in and how hard it is for them. Because I was sitting in my, in my truck being like, yes, someone feels my pain <laughs> trying to buy dual lands in 2018. And like, if I went to a tournament with my legacy deck and it got stolen, I don't play legacy anymore. Yeah. I'm just done with paper legacy. I'm not buying back into it.
2: And yeah, nobody would ever do that. Right. If, if somebody steals like a couple thousand bucks of you or, or like depending on what you play, maybe even more. That's that's such a bad that's probably one of the worst experiences of your life. Right.
0: Yeah. Just to walk. I mean, I yeah, just yeah, walk away with thousands of your dollars in yeah. un, in untraceable funds. <laughs> dude i i
2: <laughs> we, we keep going back to vintage um i once played a guy and he was playing a mox ruby and he a friend of mine and he showed me what's on the back of mox ruby and it says steve's proper like property of steve or something like written oh, in yeah. sharpie on the back of the mox ruby yeah <laughs> like you're not steve like trucks nope <laughs> okay oh man
0: <laughs> there's a story behind that <laughs> yeah poor steve probably yeah <laughs> hopefully, hopefully steve he's... decided to sell out one day but like yeah. I think when you go to start, I think when you start marking your power or like writing your name on it, you're never going to sell out. So Steve had a rough tournament.
1: I mean, if it was anything like when we were playing in middle school and whatnot, you just didn't, that stuff just didn't have the same, you didn't have the same kind of like knowledge and like, it just didn't feel the same. Like I've Mm -hmm. said before, I mean, we used to play with guys' cradles unsleeved at the lunch table. Yeah. That's just, the way it was. So yeah, that ma- guy probably just got a card and wrote Steve's on it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or or it was a bunch of friends that all pooled their cards. Yeah. Was like, Oh, this one's mine.
1: <laughs> back when boxes weren't, you know, and bucks, $1,000 or more.
0: Back before they were $1,000 or more. Yeah. The, yeah.
1: The, uh, yeah, back before they were $1,000 yeah, or more.
0: Matt tells me stories of playing with Gaia's Cradles unsleeved in the cafeteria and my skin crawls. Yeah.
2: I remember that from true. the 90s. Oof.
0: I didn't get into Magic until, like, 2012. And unfortunately I didn't get into Magic enough to, like, buy cards i didn't really get into magic until like 2017 or 28 and by then it was too late the ship had sailed
1: (laughs) you could have caught it a little bit like
0: they were still expensive but i did pick up my tropical island for 180 bucks yeah i was thinking about brewing up a deck for eternal weekend because i've been thinking like what am i gonna run and i was thinking and this is a great time to bounce it off of julian one of the best legacy players we know like you don't know
1: a lot of people then
0: Oh, <laughs> well, i'll tell you a secret how many people in indiana play legacy <laughs> right. we're kind of trying to keep it alive and get it going Put it in
1: perspective we had to drive to ohio <laughs> yeah we had a three mention, and a half like, hour drive i know drive. a lot
2: of people from ohio but i don't know i think you are the only legacy players are now in indiana uh
1: the 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 group is small if we rewind a couple years when i first got my deck my first uh 1k that i won there was about i think 40 people and that was that was for Legacy, a big event for the area, like and Pretty people, good. it was kind of like our tournament in Ohio the other, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, where like people from like out of state were coming to play in it. So
0: I mean, there's a couple like if we go to Michigan, I think we can pick up a Friday FNM. If we go to Ohio, there's a few like within like two and a half, three hours, we can find a Friday like a end of the month Legacy FNM. But yeah. as far as Indiana goes, it's incredibly hard to find Legacy, so we play a lot online. But anyway. I think like isn't back to basics the best it's ever been right now with everyone splashing for prismatic ending. So like, I kind of want to run like a Jeskai like back to basics, price of progress, control deck and just like, like not die until like wait, get till turn three and not die and then slam back to basics and protect it. And then maybe, I mean, you gotta play Murktide region, of course. And then like price of progress, people to death, murktide them to death. Like, I'm really excited to kind of brew up a quick little deck for that. And thanks to the tokens, cause I won't be able to rent all the cards at once probably, but thanks to like the God account tokens, like, just kind of bling out my deck on Arena, take it into Eternal Weekend, and, you know, brew myself to a free Bayou painting. <laughs> um, you, you want my opinion now, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not
2: excited.
1: <laughs> this was I'm all just... Jake's idea. <laughs>
2: i'm not excited for two reasons like one of the the number one reason is um actually the, the actual number one reason is that I don't think back to basics is exactly very good like you you mentioned prismatic ending and I think prismatic ending is actually the reason why it's not that great because so many decks are gonna have answers to it that's that otherwise they wouldn't really have like the only before prismatic ending the only answer people really had in the main deck was like abrupt decay and i don't really remember anything as like back in the land before time when people played counselor's judgment as well i guess it's like a one or two of miracles uh but i'm i'm not super excited about that like you you tap out for three and then they remove it for three Um, of course the idea is that you catch them off guard and when you do that and resolves it's great but even then they, they they, even if they're fully tapped out, they daze it, you pay, and then they replay the land and pyroblast it. It's like, I I don't like the play patterns that involve back to basics, and I especially don't like, I definitely don't like them on a deck that plays Price of Progress, because I think if you play back to basics, that's going to be somewhat slower, like if, if you want to catch them off guard, right, you're, you're going to be very defensive, you're going to try to hold back diver because otherwise you're going to play back to basics, and they're going to shrug and attack you for like 8 and then you play something else, they force it, and then they kill you. So it, it, it's kind of like a dead card, unless you you are in a very defensive stance and a very defensive deck. That's also why you see it much more often in, in you know, the, these um, Miracles mid-range decks. And it's barely ever seen in, in aggressive decks these days. And the other thing is, um, Price of Progress, yeah, I already alluded to it, like, the, the deck that plays Price of Progress should be defensive, and I don't see Price of Progress working very well with that at all. Like, I've seen people do it in past iterations of Legacy with, like, Snapcaster mages, but I think that's just not worth the mana. Well.
0: But if you want to try, try it, try got it, taken out of my sales. <laughs> but dude, if, if it's working hey.
2: for you in leagues, like... Uh, if I may go on my soapbox here a little bit, it's it's I hate it when people just purely theory craft and like their hobby is talking about magic without actually like getting in the reps. And I, I mean, I don't hate the yeah. people who do that because like that's probably a very large percentage of our listenership on everyday channel and also of my viewers on Twitch, right? So I don't hate mm. people who do that. I just hate the, the idea of oh I've purely theory crafted this idea and that's gonna give it a lot of weight as opposed to like people yeah. actually playing it and getting in the reps and understanding the dynamics because sometimes you know there's interactions and I'm not talking about like rules interactions, more like matchup dynamics that you didn't think about that completely change everything. And yeah, I I very much recommend um or encourage you to to still try it out, especially if you have the god account token, right? You just like jump into a league and give it a couple of tries. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna, yeah. Fi- I'm, a, I'm gonna, I'm to get a, a list put together and run it through like three or four leagues and see how it sounds. Because I, I think you're totally right. Like, the, if you want to sit back and like, it's fun to kind of create decks in your head and like, fun interactions that can do. But yeah, to get on and be like, you guys, should, to tell other people to play a deck you've never played because you think it should be good, like,
1: yeah, that's the uh, the flip side of that. Like, I think you should play it because the people who win the tournament, they they're gonna need a buy. For- <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Matt. <laughs> like, this guy's playing back to basics.
0: Smash. Yeah, that's what that's what's gonna end up being. It's gonna be like I'm gonna play back to basics and they're gonna say, Cool, uh play my play a land, Merktide Regent. Right. Yeah, uh, you're dead in two turns. But a guy can dream. Yeah, I'm yeah. not playing pox. Just imagine there's Merktide
2: <laughs> Regent on the other side of the board and you have like prismatic ending and, and price of progress. Like the price of progress is probably gonna kill you.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna make it happen. You guys you guys are gonna see in a couple of weeks when my name is on the top of that sheet. <laughs>
1: Well, by all means, if that happens, you let us know, and I'm sure both of us will give you all the credit, all
0: the recognition in the world.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I
0: guess let's move past this. Then uh, we've basically so we've gone through pretty much everything I had for kind of the stock of our episode for for listeners. Listeners will notice that we did not do our traditional meta recap this week. We were going to do it at the end, and it was one of those things where we wanted to kind of respect Julian's time and kind of go through the real meat of Legacy and kind of have a little more of an enjoyable conversation. If you want to stick around for sure. that, when we go through some decks, you can. You don't have to. Sure. Um, before we get there, though, there were two cards that I saw out of the recent spoilers, like that I kind of want to talk about. I thought were really cool. The most recent one got spoiled today, and I actually put in the the Everyday Eternal uh, Discord was Haunting Imitation, and I think this is like a really cool like baby version of Show and Tell, and I think it could like have a like I think it could have a place in Legacy. Like, in the Show and Tell deck is like five and six. So two and a blue for a sorcery, each player reveals a top card of their library. For each creature card revealed this way, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a one one and a spirit and has flying. And has flying. And then if no cards if no creatures are revealed this way, you get to put it back in your hand.
2: I think you have to answer one question if you if you recommend this card. Why would I ever play this over
0: Arcane Artisan? Because Arcane Artisan is, I I have had so many people try and convince me Arcane Artisan is better than this this card, and I don't understand why. I think it's miles. It's like orders of magnitude better. You think it's miles better? What? Yeah, it's a a three mana creature that has to untap, and when it untaps, you you get to make your token. Yeah, it's always going to (laughs) untap. Yeah, you're right. Because your opponent won't play back to basics. <laughs>
2: <laughs> price of progress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, or price of progress. But that has to untap, and then you make your creature, and then the creature dies to like that creature dies to lightning bolt. Because if you kill this, you lose your creature at the end of turn. Like so, you can't even like you couldn't even do like shenanigans where if you play um, whatever that elemental card is, and then you <laughs> this is the play pattern would be I'm going to play my three drop. I'm going to pass the turn. My opponent does well, hopefully nothing. Then i to go back to my turn. I'm going to do nothing, because I'm going to wait. Oh, you're not going to... I mean, you back can to wait, my...
2: but you don't have to wait. You can just, like, win on the spot almost.
0: Well, but it can not attack.
2: Yeah, but you just like... you just get Griselbrand. It's okay. You draw seven. <laughs> like, the, the pressure is on the opponent. Like, at that point, once you have Arcane Artisan on the board, it's after sideboarding, because it's going to be a card in a sideboard, right? Uh, otherwise, like, yeah. if you play in the main deck, that's stupid. And, like, there's so much pressure on your opponent to do something, and they just sideboarded out, like, half of their removal. Uh, and that... Th- that creates a scenario where you have a must-answer mm. card, and uh, it, that's just like three mana, and that's great. Whereas this one, it requires so much work, and it's like half—not yeah. more than half—of the time, it's literally not going to do anything for you because it's like too hard to set
0: up. I will politely disagree that it's hard to set up. I, I Think it's, it's too to set up. it's brainstorm. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> I thought you can even run. um What about Worldly Tutor? You can splash into green. You get uh, Veil of Summer and Worldly Tutor. Yeah.
2: Uh, are we still talking yeah. about Legacy?
0: <laughs> okay, so this is the uh, Cantor Cartel podcast where Jake gets shit on by Julian. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I deal with every day.
1: Shut up, Matt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think this card wouldn't be know. good if you had eight. Like, maybe it would be remotely playable if you had eight Brainstorms, but probably not. The thing is, you can just, like, play a pre day in an spot or something, and it's going to be so, so much better. Isn't this the Cantrip the Cantrip cartel Podcast, dude? One off for pre-ordering, please.
0: Well, there already. I mean, doesn't doesn't show already run like twelve cantrips? Don't they run Ponder pre-ordering and like Impulse? So what are like, you what are you your for this, out? like Sneak Attack? Um. So I don't like I don't know if it goes in blue red. I think Sneak Attack is definitely better than that. And so it would be for a like I would like. Yeah, but blue green only plays I don't three know. creatures. It can put more. This could be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling really attacked here, guys. <laughs> Jake is very optimistic when it gets to new cards, and I love that about him because he's called several that I just totally missed. Like, not going to lie, I slept on DRC. I thought it was good, but I didn't think the Delirium would be quite as easy to hit to turn it into Delver, basically. Uh, Jake got me right there. I'm kind of on Julian's camp as far as this goes. I don't think this card has legs. I think it's just too much setup. It basically turns show and tell from a two-card combo into a three-card combo. I think fundamentally because you have to you have to have a cantrip you have to have this and you have to have something on the top of your deck i yes, mean you, in but... theory you can get lucky with it just sitting oh there.
0: yeah we, we, we're never i would but... never work under the assumption you're just going to blind flip an number cool
1: right but like i like the
0: third card you have to have is the card everyone wants to have anyway ponder, yeah, brainstorm. But ponder is so much harder to like
2: ponder is like brainstorm i can see how you would set this up even though the mana is still like uh, maybe this would be okay at two mana, but even then, probably not. Um, but, Pronda, like, you gotta have the creature in the top three, and then you gotta cast yeah, this. That's and true. that's, uh, I, I just don't like, I, I don't like having yeah, a card that's, that literally doesn't put any kind of pressure on your opponent to do something. Like, you have this in your hand. I mean, you're like, I can cast Joel it. No. doesn't. Yeah, but you, you, like, you have this in your hand, and it's like turn two or turn three. And you, you know, okay, I have to just like pass, pass, pass until I eventually find brainstorm or maybe get lucky on a Ponder. And that's such a bad feeling, such a bad place to be in. Whereas if this was something else that did something like preordain, that's the one I come back to. Yeah, um, that's some action. Yeah, actions, something that you, you can use your mana. There's, there's nothing worse in legacy, even in combo decks where you just pass with mana up and don't do anything. Like every time, like your opponent goes to your end step and they have priority and they pass and they don't use their mana, I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, I okay. I, I could be wrong though like i i guess i, like, I can be
2: quite convincing or you're just like giving in to the stupid chairman, like shouting about the bad card but yeah i i could could be wrong on this maybe this is gonna dominate kinda legacy
0: <laughs> i never it's not gonna dominate legacy I, i'm not even saying it's gonna dominate legacy it's not even gonna dominate show and tell i just thought it was a possible like show and tell five and six kind of scared to do the next one now <laughs> no, so we can go one it, for three you're committed <laughs> reckless impulse uh, and I'm, I will give credit to, um, I heard about this on Eternal Dirtles. They were hyping it up, and I kind of, like, I, I the way he was selling it, I kind of really bought into it. So it's one and a red, and you exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. So, like, it's kind of a, like, one red expressive iteration for everybody. Like, it's a really easy, splashable expressive iteration. You don't get to look at three, and you don't get to put one in your hand. But, I mean, the odds are you're probably going to hit a land in one of those, And a spell you can play, so you can you can play your lands from them, or you can like even if you did do it on turn three, you could hit your third turn land drop and your fourth turn land drop if you hit both lands. Like it's definitely worse than Expressive Iteration, but we've seen how crazy powerful Expressive Iteration is, and this is most of that. Julian, why does this card suck? Mm, I
2: don't think it sucks. The problem is that it's like you mentioned; it's probably worse than Expressive Iteration. Uh, It's definitely worse than Expressive Iteration. It's not one hundred percent like it it doesn't pitch to force even though you don't really want to pitch expressive iteration to force but in combo matchups you it's you're okay with it like Mm -hmm. this card really goes back to a core problem that is red in legacy and red doesn't really have an identity in legacy other than yeah goblins and like utility in combo decks and then we Mm -hmm. that's why you have stuff like ruby storm and i guess something like dragon stompy but but those are decks that are Also, not like proper mid range red decks, or or like we're never going to have control red decks, I guess. But we don't even have like proper aggressive red decks except for burn. It's just like Mm -hmm. that you really don't get much out of it. Um, when you want to be mono-red in Legacy. That, that, that's really not much. In it. Like, being monocolored in Legacy is already a problem. But if you... Red just pairs so well with blue, and there's really no reason to just, like, not play blue. And if you're blue, you're playing excessive... Uh, uh, impressive... <laughs> what, yeah. what's, what's it called? Expressive... Expressive iteration. iteration. Impressive iteration. Yeah, yeah you got it.
0: <laughs> it is very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I like I saw this and like it's just so close to expressive. Yeah, like, I just have to feel like this has to be good. But it's one of those things. I like, guess it has to find a home that doesn't involve blue. Because if it involves blue, yeah, you're just choosing the worst card. And there's and nobody wants expressive iteration five and six.
2: Yeah, like I, I like that you play it on the second turn. I, actually, you probably don't want to play it on the second turn, right? Like you mentioned, you want to play it on the third turn, like expressive iteration, and then you want to get case the you land get both and lands. something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, as a card, I don't hate it. And like ten years if ago, you hit a Force of Will, f- you.
0: Because yeah. if you hit a force of will you can pitch cast the forest if you end up like if you have like if you can like go off that turn you can like play your land and have a force sitting in exile that you can pitch cast
2: also we're, we're playing blue in the deck again <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep <laughs> I, I really don't hate this card maybe maybe uh, that's
2: probably gonna be people who are gonna put this in dragon stumpy or something um but it's just yeah I, I, I don't see a home for it
0: it's probably one I mean it we yeah, said so we don't need. We don't really have a good space for a, like a mono red deck or a red card, but like it's probably the best one. Of, one of the best two mana red draw spells we've seen in a long time. But yeah, those are the two cards. I was kind of I tracked through spoilers and whatnot, and those are the two that I had come up. Like other than that, I didn't see a whole lot in this like entire set that interested me for like Legacy and even much of Modern.
1: Yeah, have you seen anything that uh, really stuck out to you out of the new set, Julian?
2: I, I don't know if it's in the new set because I totally lost track of like which set belongs and which set symbol belongs to belongs to which um card. But there's uh like a new madness card that you can play with LED that's like an eight six or something, and when it comes to play your opponent has to sacrifice a creature. You, you can basically cast it off LED on the first turn.
0: Oh wow. That's yeah, cool. So it's like it's like a mini archon of cruelty that you get to madness for LED cost.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um oh god, I'm trying to figure out to dig it up in one of our legacy chats, but people spam like actually I spammed so much in it. Uh, let, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that at all. Shared me- I Oh my god, there's lots of pictures of Newton wearing a top hat and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture of the largest potato ever farmed in New Zealand. Okay, here, here it is. It's called Shadow Grange Archfiend, and it's from. Yeah, I think it's from this new set. I, I don't even remember the name of the new set. This is how I invested I am in Standard.
1: <laughs> what, uh, Crimson Vow? Crimson Vow,
2: Vow yeah, yeah. But people said it's more like from a commander set from Crimson Vow. That's not going to be like a... Gotcha. Yeah. You guys probably know more about this than I do. But basically, it's called Shadowgrange Archfiend. It's six colorless and a black creature demon. It's an 8-4. Uh, When Shadowgrange Archfiend enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures they control. You gain life equal to the greatest power among creatures sacrificed this way. And it has Madness, two colorless and a black, and pay eight life. So you could go turn one, LED, all in on this, eight four, pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to be legacy playable, but people are going to try to somehow make it work. I don't know, maybe in Storm as a support. I, I literally have I mean, no idea.
0: do you think this is like, does, like does, does Madness need a top-end threat? Like, the Madness was kind of a flash-in-the-pan deck where it really came back and existed for a couple weeks when MH2 came out. And I haven't seen it much lately, but it's a really powerful deck. But it doesn't have much on the top end. Is this the top end it needs? Uh in oh, that kind of deck, I've never thought about it in that way. Like, um,
2: maybe. But I think it's that's yes. Yeah, it's, maybe it's too slow. I don't know. I, I don't yeah, like <laughs> I don't like the idea of going LED and putting this into play and then you're basically all in on it. Um uh, because, because then you don't even get to use your, your hollow ones or something. So I don't really see this going into, into the Madness deck. And by the way, I think the Madness deck is pretty decent. It's it's one of those decks that really runs over people who aren't very familiar with the format.
0: Yeah. It's um I haven't played it myself, but I've watched it through uh, on a lot of streams and it's terrifying. Yeah. Like the stuff you can pull off on turn one and two, and even like the holes you can dig out of. I've seen people go into like turn four after a board wipe or whatever and they just get that lucky rip and they just start chaining through their deck drawing um getting there what's that what's the land that the blue land that you can has threshold and you can sack cephalid, it, draw coliseum. Card three. cephalid yeah. coliseum they'll crack their cephalid coliseum and draw you know Vengevine, um root walla root walla cast a root walla, activate the other two Vengevine in their graveyard already and just put 18 power on the board and it's like they go from nothing to winning in a turn on top of the game, the, the turn one where they, you know, yeah, they cast LED and they go root walla <laughs> root walla Angie's Ravener Ravenger and then now they're attacking with Ancestral.
1: I was super excited when they uh, printed the red root, wall, root walla. I even talked about it to Jake. I was like, I hope this does something because I've been trying to get. Uh, I played uh, in standard during Odyssey block, so we had blue blue green madness uh, mm-hmm. i love that deck and i've always wanted to try to get something like that going i guess so i'm super excited but it's got led mm-hmm. that's just not going to cool. happen
0: i forgot to ask um but, you know let's pump back to vintage one more time i ask you know you're you're kind of still bouncing around i think i think julian's just scared to give us his tech on eternal weekend he's not willing to put it out there yet
1: <laughs> let's see uh ragavan merk <laughs> Did you say I'm you were,
0: you were you were probably, you were probably just going to pick up like a um, like a shops pile and play that? Yeah. So first of all, if you find Julian Secret Tech
2: for Vintage or Legacy, please give it to me because I'm in, in dire <laughs> need for that. <laughs> uh, I, I probably have to take a look at Vintage. Like I've played I've played tons of Vintage tournaments in Europe, and I've played all kinds. Like I've played tons of like shops. I've played tons of like blue pile, um, paradoxical outcome, some oath, even though that didn't really work out for me. Uh, sometimes just like back mid range decks, like the the DRS um, piles, but I literally can't tell you. Like, I'm I'm very partial towards anything involving workshop, but mm-hmm. I think the only thing I'm not gonna play is any anything like dredge because I don't really have the experience with that. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think I ran through like
0: four or five games of dredge and I got my butt kicked hard every game because that deck is crazy powerful. But yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, like if you're just like you know casting bizarre Baghdad and discarding cards and hoping it works out, it's not gonna work out. Uh, It's going to work in the first game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah. You do get a lot of, it's like Reanimator. You get a lot of game ones. Yep. And then in game two, your opponent sits down and goes, all right,
1: I'm ready. Time to bring in my 10 of 15 sideboard cards for the stupid combo matchups. Yeah,
2: when, when okay. I was introduced to Vintage in Munich, like the Munich Vintage community, I think it was like around 2009-ish. They, they gave me like the crash course of understanding Vintage. And one of them was like, okay, this is going to be your sideboard. And I look at it, I'm like, this is 11 cards against the graveyard. What the fuck is going on? And and he told me, <laughs> this is the bare minimum. Go, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and ever since I've played like 11 cards against Pazard uh, decks in my
0: sideboard, but I have okay. no idea. Maybe it's not needed anymore. Dredge decks beware. Well, is there anything we wanna cover that I've missed or gone over in regards to Eternal Weekend coming up, you know, Vintage Weekend, Legacy Weekend, Legacy in general, before we move on to go over some of the meta for legacy and modern for last week. Sounds good. So let's move into our legacy and modern recap. We're gonna do it a little differently this week. I'm gonna do I'm gonna run through the decks and what you know I kinda of thought was spicy in them since we have our setup a little differently to hopefully accommodate Julian. So on our legacy challenge, once again, we didn't have a Saturday challenge because people don't play Legacy on Saturdays anymore. First place XJ Cloud came in with a Yorian D&T list. And so I kind of ran through the list um and I thought kind of the coolest spice in there was they had a single Cathar commando as a like sacrifice. It's I think it's like you can like I don't know if you pay one I think, or you just sacrifice it, but it's a uh, recruiter target. You can sack and destroy an artifact. So obviously um, tons of toolboxiness there on top of just Urza Saga and a timeless dragon in the main, which I thought was really cool. We saw that come out. And I thought that had legs in legacy just because like an uncounterable 4-4 flyer that you can end step at instant speed. I thought pretty possible to be good and never really saw any legacy play except for a one of an XJ clouds list.
1: Hey, <laughs> maybe you'll get your blue sorcery to be a one of another other dude's <laughs> list. <laughs>
0: Dude, so Second place. The, the
2: dragon's oh, cool, dude. The dragon's really cool. Um, I, we've seen it in some um, landstill builds a, a couple of weeks, um, I think a month or two ago. Uh, we talked about it on Everyday Eternal. I think there's there's people trying to to make this a thing, right? You plane cycle, so you're gonna hit your land drops, so which mm-hmm. is super important on a still. Uh, so you don't have to go discard, and then you eternalize the dragon, which is not casting it, as you mentioned, right? You, it can't be countered, and it yep. also doesn't break the standstill. So you you get to play it pretty well on a standstill. The Problem is just still standstill that comes with its exactly. own set of problems, but that's pretty cool. And talking about Cathar Commando, it can also destroy enchantments, and that means it can destroy Urza Saga, and that's really cool.
0: Mm, yep. So you can you can yeah you can fetch up you can recruit up a commando and basically strip mine your opponent.
2: Yeah, or you cool. just have it in yeah. hand. I mean, that does, happens somewhat rarely with um, your decks, but it's a line you have.
0: Yeah, you can just cast it or vile it in. But yeah, I was really surprised. It's like, like, Timeless Dragon looked like such a powerful card. I mean, I know it's 4 mana, and that's a lot in Legacy, but like, these grindy D&T decks, or even like an Azor control deck, like, 4 mana is not crazy, and an uncounterable instant speed 4-4 flyer. Like, I, in my mind, that ends w- up, especially, yeah, with the plane cycling, that helps pay for it. I thought that was going to be a crazy good card, and it that was one, that was another whiff. That was another. Uh...
1: It's seeing some play, and I mean, if you think about it, legacy is the top one percent, or you know, one to five percent of cards, and timeless dragon has broken into that at least yeah, somewhat, at least a little bit. I mean, actually, it, Cloud's playing it. it can't got be that further bad. than eternal dragon ever did. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: dude, eternal dragon was like a real staple.
1: Yeah, it, the I played it a lot in standard. Uh, I haven't been playing Legacy long enough that I was actually playing with Eternal.
2: So Blue-White-Lancel or Blue-White-Black-Lancel was like a real deck in Eternal... like a real Tier 1 deck. And Eternal Dragon was one of the deck the cards in there. Like usually like it's a two-off or something. Sometimes it's a three-off. And I, I've been beaten down by many Eternal Dragons in my life.
1: It's a good feeling.
2: The name is wow. amazing, right? Eternal Dragon. A streamer should come out of there and like just like steal that name. I am the Eternal <laughs> Dragon. And I Eternal only Dragon. stream
0: Standard. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> this got real. This got worse quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the standard meta? It's bad.
1: It's bad. <laughs> that's not even a surprise anymore, though. It's just <laughs> the it, it, standard's been mediocre to very bad for the past like five years.
0: Yeah, it has not been a very good place for for a long time. I just looked this up. I never seen Eternal Dragon. I you told me about the reference, but a seven mana five five that you can plane cycle, and during your upkeep only you can pay five to put it back in your hand. That was a staple. Yes. Yeah. Magic has
1: come a long way. Well, one of the things, at least, uh, so if I remember correctly, it was legal during the Astral Slide era in Standard, as far as from what I've seen, and that you plane cycle it, you get an Astral Slide trigger, it's your endgame threat. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and then obviously with land still, like what Julian's saying.
0: Gotcha. Boy, magic was a different place. Yeah. (laughs) Second place, of course, Blue Red Delver coming in. The only, like, the spiciest thing I saw in this was two Gutshot and one Pyroblast in the main. And those aren't, like, crazy particularly special, but we've often talked about, like, when decks are main boarding Pyroblast, there might be a problem. And then I was happy to see Gutshots making it into the main. I haven't seen them in the last couple Blue Red lists I've looked at. I I, I think it should be there. It's the perfect way to play around days on turn one and get your Ragavan. So I was happy to see someone else picking it up. Third place was a Jeskai Delver list, almost the same. The coolest thing about this was it's running. Um, it it went down on two ending, so it's only got two ending in it, and it's running two consider. So consider is the opt that uh, allows you to surveil one and then draw a card. Obviously, just to you know stash your graveyard faster. And one of the things I was wondering is like, is the minor selection of consider worth more than the extra cards you get from Thought Scour? Because like, if you're just looking to fuel your graveyard, Thought Scour is arguably a much better card because you get two cards immediately versus the one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, This guy obviously thought it was. Uh, I don't think it's probably more just from the outside looking. in. it's probably more of a situation of he wants another cantrip at instant speed. Thought scour doesn't give you the selection. So it's just kind of a middle of the road kind of approach. That's what I would think. Like, he's not all in on the graveyard, which is where you really want thought scour. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, surveillings strong get to see a couple cards for one mana at instant speed that's pretty good i i don't know the guy is doing well obviously i'm not gonna i am not in any position to critique his choice but i'm not a big fan of consider in legacy
0: i just think there's so many better options like if you're like i don't i feel like i feel like it fills a weird spot but right i mean yeah i'll be the first to admit that this um i didn't write their name down They you know more than me about playing
1: this guy delver right. i played i played it was, it for one time actually the
2: most arkan that, that i think he streams as legacy underscore counselor
1: what a! what do you think about the consider in there i think consider Julian? is
2: still vastly better than thought score but for like a non-doomsday deck i don't think either of them are really good like i get the idea behind consider it's also like kind of neat you 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 get to like turn your your um dragon rage channelers on at instant speed and stuff uh, but overall uh, I think it's not really worth it. It sounds more at least like looking at the decklist, it's probably more something like he tried and I think he also talked about it on Twitter that that's not something he's married to. The bigger thing is that actually like sent shockwaves through all of our legacy chats. It's like, dude, Arcan is on Stifle and people are like, oh, okay be, be, be ready for Stifle <laughs> because mm-hmm. the card was initially there to not only protect your Orta sagas, but also to stifle the second trigger um, of your opponent's Orta Saga. but then... Mm-hmm. Uh, seen that kind of left the deck and at least in his list it's back now but i'm actually he doesn't even play Orchestra saga anymore whoa oh this is oh wow Arkan dude what are you doing where's your saga man
0: <laughs> but uh, he he took his he took his sagas out and he's brought stifles in for yours so this is
2: basically blue red Diver and he's splashing ending and four swords
0: i can see it yeah
2: uh, i wouldn't do it
0: yeah i i don't like it seemed like that's where like you cut at least one ending. He's got one ending in the side, but like you cut an ending from the main for a consider and then something else, maybe a fourth stifle or a a third iteration. And like, I see a lot of cards in this main board that I would much rather have another ending or another iteration over a consider.
2: I think this is, this is, I mean, more like middle of the road, right? This is between Blue Red Saga and, and Saga Rogab- Sagabarn, whatever. Uh mm-hmm. I am not a fan of this. I'm um, going back to the second place list. That was actually uh, Javier Dominguez, the guy who won GP Paris 2014 uh, Legacy GP. And he played Isadora, and I think he talked about it on Twitter later on. And he said, "Yeah, Isadora is really good, but he thinks people should be playing something with Saga because he thinks Saga is better." And that's also like what I why I'm so happy about Chesky Raghavan because I feel like mm-hmm. I can I can play an actual control game against the Blue Red diver decks, and on top of that, I actually get to to like reap the rewards of of playing Saga and also playing the extra color. And I yeah
0: yeah. I, well, it's funny you say that. In seventh place was another. Is it Delver deck? But this one was running Saga, so they cut some of the they they cut out Dragon Rage Channeler and they put in four Saga for extra threats, which I thought was really cool to kind of to really like take advantage of one of the most powerful cards in Legacy right now. Urza Saga is just like the best grinding engine you can get.
2: On four oh, Holy heat, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's here. he's re- he's ready. To, he's ready to play again. Pyroblast in the main. Um, looks like he went maybe down on Lightning Bolt for the heats, but I mean, when heat just kills everything, like. He also like, has two meltdowns on the sideboard. <laughs> I like it. You're just saga like Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yep, he's yeah, they're ready. Is that dude is that is that every? Yeah, that destroys each. Yeah. That's a little bit of... Uh, you gotta be careful when yeah, you, when you I, put those out. I guess it's
2: kind of like a catch-up mechanic. Like, if your opponent pulls head on sagas, which is, like, a real thing in, in those matchups, then you meltdown, and then your stuff comes up, and then you win the game. And if you... Like, if you're holding meltdown, but your stuff goes off, and you get to make constructs, it's not that bad, because they gotta deal with those first, unless they got, like, more stuff. In which case, like, meltdown still kind of trades, but not as well anymore. But yeah, I... I'm not sure if I'd want two. I'm not sure if I want any in this deck, but I I understand what they're trying to. I think. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's just
0: kind of weird to see, like you said, to to see the deck running Saga and leaning into Urza Saga, also being prepared to sideboard in Meltdowns. I wonder, like, so he's got two wastes in the main. I wonder if he sides some of his Sagas out when he sides Meltdown in and just decides not to fight on that axis. Oh, uh, I
2: don't think that you you want to do that. Like, it, it, in the deck that plays four wastelands versus the deck that plays four Sagas, Saga's
0: just so much. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that makes me. That literally makes my heart hurt a little bit. What? Just hearing the phrase, and I know it's true, Saga's better than Wasteland. And I know there's context here and everything, but like Wasteland's literally one of the cards. So the reason I started playing Legacy is I was just going through I was bored, I was looking through magic videos, and I don't remember what tournament it was, but it was some high-level tournament. It was like turn fifteen and it was uh it was Rug Delver versus Grixis Delver, and there was one land on the board. <laughs> And I was like, I have to play this format.
0: No one's officially stuck any permits by turn 15. Because <laughs> it was it
1: was literally just back and forth, trading, 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 wastelanding people. Like, it was amazing. And yeah. it just makes my heart hurt.
2: I've seen a really nice it, play with wasteland. I guess most people are aware of it these days, but... Like, back then, when I saw it for the first time, it really blew me away. Uh There was, like, a... I think they were playing for Top 8 in Bazaar of Moxon uh, many years ago. And it was Murfrog against Show & Tell. And the Show & Tell guy goes for Show & Tell. And the other guy goes, you know what? In response to your Show & Tell, I'm gonna wasteland your fetchland. And he's like, okay. Response, I'm gonna crack. And then the other guy's, okay, stop. In response to you cracking Pluster your Fetchland, storm. I'm going to daze your show intelligence. Like,
0: ooh. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've, I've
0: actually done that to people. That's pretty clever.
2: <laughs> it's so smart. Like, I didn't see it. And, like, when the guy did it, I was like, dude, this is going to change my life forever.
0: That's pretty smart. I had a play uh, when we were, um, it was the biggest brain play I've ever had, where I dazed my own brainstorm and then paid for it with Wasteland because my opponent had full basics picked up my tropical island or my volcanic island so i could cast brainstorm and then i got to cast a bigger murktide I was, that that allowed me to then replay it, tap out, and cast like an eight-eight merktide instead of like a five-five merktide? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest. Don't worry, I lost that match, but I felt pretty good playing it.
1: Well, you just pour for one yourself, so I can't imagine why. <laughs> so we know the limit of merktide. Merktide's so like, good. Okay, but... <laughs> I made my uh, merktide a couple bigger. Pass sorts of plowshares. I'm glad my opponent's hand is empty. Awesome.
2: <laughs> so, so you basically put something like unholy strength on your on your merktide. <laughs>
0: It was. They were dead cards. It It was. uh, It was strength. I know. (laughs) It was days (laughs) and wasteland, and it was against ninjas. It was. It was a basic land ninja deck. So he wasn't paying for spells anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: What else did we have? Uh, We we jumped over. So there was a red painter list, and I um, I know you guys just had a friend of yours on talking about red painter. Um I don't remember his moto name was this the person you had on Fred- Frederico Medow? No 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 his, I guess people know him better by his real life name that's Marius Hausmann uh he, he's mm-hmm. one of the most successful
2: players on on well in Europe basically <laughs> and mm-hmm. he, I think he also played on Magic Online for a couple of year for a year or something he was Marius of the Moon back then <laughs> and looking oh, at yeah. this list oh yeah this is cool. oh dude this is very different this is like four chromatic chromatic stars i think Callum told me about this in, in every day i shouldn't listen to him
1: <laughs> i remember you guys talking about uh chromatic star about that uh on the episode
2: i couldn't believe it at the time but i mean he, he's not gonna lie to me right <laughs> at least i hope because he was uh
1: mm-hmm. uh he was using that in uh Ichor wellspring and just bringing it back and forth with goblin welder to draw a bunch of cards
2: oh because oh yeah, yeah oh, because, because it's loop? different from chromatic sphere right it, it it triggers when it goes to a graveyard and not when it's activated. Oh, I see.
1: yeah.
0: Oh, okay. So you, yeah, you can get you can you can get a, a grinding loop going where yep. you're just going up on cards.
1: And the Wellspring actually draws you a card when it ETBs, if I remember correctly. So you can. It does. Yeah. Well, the just,
0: Wellspring triggers on ETB and, and when it yeah. uh, goes to the graveyard.
1: Yep. So you get to double dip on the Wellspring and the Chromatic Stars back and bouncing back and forth. Um, I don't
0: remember. Is is it normal for these lists to only run four blasts? I thought they ran, like, six. Yeah. Like, um, like, four. I usually see, like, five or six, but I guess if
2: you want to harness the power of Chromatic Star, you you got to make some cuts. <laughs> you need to make the cuts somewhere.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you, we can confirm, apparently Chromatic Star is better than Pyroblast <laughs> in Red Painter.
1: Now, what that guy should do is splash blue for this new sorcery <laughs> so we could get a painter off the top yeah, of his deck could, yeah you don't even have to draw the painter and it <laughs> yeah. just puts it into
0: play for you i hate you i know <laughs> um i don't know if i said uh fifth place was was modern red painter servant sixth place was a uh was no red green sun zenith and it was a really cool green sun zenith list like those are fun decks to play and they're fun decks to watch get played just that really really toolboxy list the weirdest thing i saw about this list was he's got three Carpet of Flower in the sideboard, and I don't know who didn't tell this guy that Prismatic Ending basically made that card have no text. It's like, I don't know what deck you're bringing Carpet of Flowers in against that isn't also running Prismatic Ending. I mean, Ever. I guess... Yeah, it's and,
1: Blue Red Delver, but yeah, that's about it. You, I don't know. As soon as you hit the Jess guy ones, you're... I mean, yeah, like Cup of I Flowers is think... already
2: like somewhat problematic to bring in against control decks. It's not that great against control decks in the first place, unless you're getting dance for it, I guess. Uh but yeah, Cup of the Flowers very, very good against Blue Red Diver. Like really, really good against Brewer Diver, especially in a deck as mid as this.
0: Yeah. And I get like this is the deck that can definitely I guess take advantage of that the most with, with such high CMC creatures. Like you're gonna get your Leavolds or your Edge your Knight of Autumns or your um Primetime stuck in your hand. And this gives you an out to if they play a couple islands maybe you can ramp up to the six man and cast your prime time and get it dazed <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey the dream is there and hey, uh, it, you
1: could get lucky they might force a- it was
0: a yorian list and it always drives it always amazes me when i see decks like this so this is a green sun list and obviously it kind of works off a of green sun the whole point is it's a toolboxy style list and it's running yorian and diluting its deck down it just amazes me that like it's obviously working but it's how does this deck work when you like the deck functions off of a four of and you're drawing them so less frequently
2: the deck fun- functions of off. To me, this is basically like, just like playing Cube and Legacy. You get like, a lot of mana ramp, and then you just play good stuff creatures, and eventually you hit your, like, Yorian, I
0: guess. Yeah, that's what you're doing. Oh, yeah, and you have Field of the Dead. That's going to be another part. Yeah, I guess that's a good finisher, Field of the Dead. I don't know, I always thought, like, these decks, like... Like, does does the deck do good off the top? Where you're just... I mean, you, hopefully you draw the right thing. Oh, you, have, you have all these one-offs.
2: I think definitely. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's a one-off. Like, if you think about it as one-offs, you're thinking about it the wrong way. you got to think about it as, like, the deck has something like, I want to say... 20 cards that are meat and they're like stuff that makes stuff happen you spend three mana or more on it and it, it's like great like you, you actually see me like r- wriggling my fingers around because i'm so turned on by this <laughs> <But> you, <laughs> like you, you spend your mana on stuff and you got like 20 meat cards and usually legacy like decks have more like eight meat cards and that's really great and mm-hmm. on top of, on top of that you have like 10 cantrips that allows you to find those and the only dots are like Force of, uh, force of negation and and i guess the removal spells but those by time and like this stack is full of stuff and it doesn't matter whether like endurance is a one-off or like burst of paradise is a one-off because all together like you got a uh you got burst of paradise you got uh green sand senate for acceleration abundant growth isn't really acceleration i guess it's fixing but you, you you gotta think of these cards as packages and this is the meat package stuff the dust stuff
0: I mean, yeah, the deck does a lot. It can accomplish a lot of things, but it's just like, I mean, so like the one of endurance. Yeah, when you draw it, it's great. You get, how, and if you don't yeah, draw well, it, yeah, you will draw yep.
2: Leopold. And if you don't draw that, maybe you draw <laughs> Primeval Titan, or maybe you draw Grist, or maybe you draw Sunnit. Well, and, yeah, or, but
0: like if you if you need endurance, that's not you a don't thing. want like, Leopold.
2: You, you have to not think about needing stuff in these kinds of decks. Like if you think about needing stuff, you that's a very privileged position that you're rarely ever going to be in, that you will have the time and the cards to get what you need. This is more you play like a limited deck. You you have your stuff in hand and you got to make you got to create a game plan out of what you have and that's why these decks are like so cool to play because the the games are going to be so different. And I think we, when you need stuff, you're in a very privileged position and you 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 can't really think about that ca- decks in legacy as oh when I, when this situation comes up i'm gonna use this and when this situation comes up i'm gonna use this this is like something you have to be aware of this is your ideal plan like that's what we talked about earlier right with i want to trade this removal spell for that card but it's not always happening that way it's still important to be aware of that but in this deck you you just you you put your stuff down and leobald is gonna be good against 90 percent of legacy decks all the time that's great and, and so is primeval titan and uro and even like ice vancote draws you a card and it it the reason these decks are not great is that they don't really do anything super exciting but they are like very thick pie full of meat actually oh god I did. I've never thought I would say that like we, we were talking so much about meat <laughs> pies on every actually not on everyday channel but in, in some chat like we have some alleged legacy chats but we always talk about like bullshit and I think we talked so much mm-hmm. about meat pies <laughs> because I can't believe that in, in, <laughs> in like in Great Britain they actually like they put meat and pies but yeah this is this is the image I'm having right now like this is not a deck I would really want to play because it's too too blue mid-rangey for me i but and i'm also i also don't want to play yorian decks i guess but uh, yeah that, that's just like how i think you need to think about these decks you, you yeah. can't think about I mean, needing stuff and getting it
0: yeah i'm clearly in the wrong like i'm sitting here looking at someone who top eighted a, um, a, a sunday challenge like and i'm being <laughs> like you chose a bad deck <laughs> i mean that that guy Mac Rinsos, uh, he went to the top eight of um last year's eternal weekend as well. crazy that just amazes me but yeah yeah I guess I need to start looking at these more of like, yeah, what can I accomplish with what I have instead of what do I need to get? Yeah, I think that's that's a very healthy approach. All these cards do pretty broken things on their own, usually. Pretty uh, pretty flexible creatures that, like, I guess, yeah, you're not really upset to have any one of these on the board at a time.
1: That, uh, that just reminded me of something I actually wanted to ask you, Julian. It's on topic here. Where do you stand as far as Yorion decks in general? Like, do you think this deck would be better without Yorion? There's, like, Yorion Death and Taxes. Like, the it's something there's there was a lot of debate about it and um, I know back in the day you at least used to run 61 card elves like the that additional 20 cards do you think that's worth the Orion? Mm,
2: in this deck probably because you you want some kind of strategic inevitability and this deck otherwise doesn't really have it because now you have Yorian and Caracas which is like a really big deal and if you didn't have that you you might just this would basically be Nick Fit, right? This is blue Nick Fit otherwise. Mm-hmm. And yep. without, like, the bad Nick Fit cards. And I think that's not good enough for Legacy. I'm not even sure if this deck is good enough for Legacy. I'd, I'd much rather see the deck splashing red instead of um, black, for example. Uh, but red, mm-hmm. of course, offers, like, much worse midrange options. Like, you don't get Leowald, you don't get Crist, which is, like, a really big thing. And, yeah, I... I'm not super excited about the deck, but I think if you want to play something like this, you gotta have Yorian in it. And with regards to Death and Texas, it's, it's really hard. I've played the Yorian lists and I've enjoyed them quite a bit, especially since you have a higher density of removal spells. Like this is part, like we've talked about it quite a lot in our podcast, right? And you guys might have heard it, but I think part of it is you have a higher density. Like even though you're playing 80 cards, you have a higher density of removal spells and Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt you as much because even though you play, uh, what, what, what's the, the white one solitude? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Then. Even though you played that, you can easily make up for it later on in the game, just because you also have Yorian and Yorian Caracas, especially once you're for like a while involved. That that's such a big deal. On the other hand, of course, Death and Taxes when it gets wild on the first turn is such good deck. I mean, it's already a pretty good deck, but I. I'm torn, but I also give a lot of credit to people who like really not only work on stuff, but also like um, produce the numbers or the results and, mm-hmm. and um XJ Cloud definitely did. So if I was going in trying out Eth Texas, I would definitely like start with this list.
0: Yeah. That was my biggest thing where we started seeing these and D T lists pop up was, you know, your your best turn one is Viol or mom, and then your best turn two is usually Thalia. And like by diluting your deck with 20 cards, the number of times that happens just goes down. I guess I'd say so much, but it goes down a lot. Like the, the times you're going to be able to curve, you know, Vile that gets a mom into Thalia or mom into Thalia into three drop, like just goes down, you would think. But, you also just get to stock the deck with, I mean, so many just amazingly good white cards and so many good answers that obviously it doesn't matter like, that the deck becomes a little less consistent. Obviously, it seems to become more powerful, and power is better than consistency. <laughs> there was a podcast I listened to that taught me that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah there's this guy named uh, Julian yeah. who went over that quite a bit. If you want to in tournaments, and very should, much. Yep, should, consistency
2: is just a zero-sum power. game unless your deck is broken. Should be.
1: Yep. Um, last deck on our legacy
0: challenge was, uh, eight cast, which is just a really fun deck. Like that's a deck I'd love to, I need to sleeve up and play cause it looks I like a ton of fun to play. I want to play that. <laughs> yeah. Mono blue eight cast looks like it's so much fun. And I think like, I'm pretty sure other than the four, uh, what are they called? The four LEDs or, oh, it's only it two LEDs. Like it, the deck's not terribly expensive other than a couple reserve list cards here and there. I don't think. <laughs> so I got to put it up on
2: it's MTG Goldfish right now. To- and it says three thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I know, and That's I don't understand so I where it's coming it's only from. Only
1: three thousand
0: dollars, as opposed to like six. Four mocks and three lion's eye diamonds. Like the LEDs are twelve hundred bucks. The what is what is driving this price? Oh, force of wills are oh, geez, A force of will. A set of force of wills is five hundred dollars. Oh, and it's got four negation in the side too. Yep. Well, never mind. The deck isn't as cheap as I thought it was. <laughs> It those like are a really fun deck to play. I've seen this is one of those, this is like a madness deck that you don't doesn't require you to discard any cards. Like I've just watched so many people, like turn one or two, just vomit their hand and then draw four more cards and vomit their hand again. Yep. These decks are terrifying to play against and they're fun to watch be played. Also, Psy is absolutely amazing. That is so broken. Yeah. Like just the just the, the value machine of this dude is fucking crazy. Like everything you could possibly want to do in this deck, make tons of dudes and then turn them into draw.
2: And it's also pretty low to the ground. Like, it doesn't really play all the, the, the expensive stuff, you know, like Car or Ursa that we see in these, these Ursa stumpy decks. This is, this is almost like affinity. Um, like it's a little slower than affinity, but it's, it, it's so much fun to play. And sometimes even comes up that you can hardcast your echoes. Actually, I see they're only playing two echoes. I don't hate that. Also, only two LEDs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it speaks even more towards the power of Psy, Emery, and Thought Monitor because those on their own are, like, really good. And the one card that always breaks the matchups is Shadow Spear because this deck produces yep. the biggest constructs of them all, but often that's not enough, but Shadow Spear gives you the extra trample, right? And then you get through and yeah. the lifelink, so you're never going to be raised.
0: Yep, the trample is always, like, that's, that's such a big thing. Like, the life gain is always great. Like, obviously, gaining eight life on a swing helps stabilize the board pretty well, but just that... The fact that you can, you know, your eight eights don't get chump locked anymore. It just makes it. It takes a game state where it's like, you know, you can maybe claw your way out of this. They've got a couple big Karns trucks, but you can fight through it. To I have like when that Urza Saga gets sacrificed and they pull out a Shadow Spear, I have no chance of. Yeah, I'm gonna be dead this turn because they're gonna swing with a twenty twenty with trample. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's build your own merit lage. <laughs>
2: and you can even use the Shadow Speed to kill the Merit oh, that they have.
0: Yep. Oh yeah, because you can make it lose <laughs> Indestructible? That's hilarious. I never even thought of that. Yeah, you could totally, you could beat a Merit Lage with this deck. Just make a giant Construct and attack for lethal, and they, they block. It loses Indestructible. You gained 25 life. Okay, your turn. I mean, this is one of those decks
2: that I would actually recommend to people who haven't played a lot of Legacy. Like, if you you have good Magic Fundamentals, right, you're going to play Blue Red Delva in the Legacy um, in the Eternal Weekend. But if you haven't really played a lot of Legacy at all or, like, don't understand Tabo decks, then I would very much recommend this deck.
0: Yeah, like, the the sequencing is obviously important, but the decks, like, it's relatively easy to play. It usually just involves vomiting lots of artifacts, and as you play more, they get cheaper. And then you get to drop (laughs) more artifacts, and then... (laughs) i mean that's that's the that, if you're looking at your thought monitor and your thought cast that's just you just keep vomiting them out and then oh my gosh i thought minor make a two two draw two <laughs> bobble bobble Mox opal.
1: yep that's as soon as this start uh, started to come up in modern that's like i've got old modern affinity and then these 8-cast decks starting to like mm-hmm. make some waves in modern. Not like big waves, but they're starting to see some play. I was like, yep, I, that's I'm putting this back together again. That's going to be my modern deck because modern elves is yep. just not a thing.
0: Yeah, we're, we're getting re- we're getting geared up to go play uh, our uh, Friday Night Magic doesn't host Legacy, but they've got every Friday they do modern. So we both bought into modern and we're going to go hopefully start curb stomping and maybe yeah. one day we can introduce ourselves as nine-time FNM winner. <laughs>
2: <Nine-nine>. <laughs> and I never got a trophy for uh, any of them.
0: No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to breeze through modern. This has definitely been the legacy and vintage podcast, but um, just so in can timestamp it. So, anyone that wants to pop in, first place was, like we said, blue red modern Delver. So, just you get to play legacy Delver, except with some modern cards. Uh, second place was ba- uh, no black super friends. We actually had three of them in, where it's just this four color soup of like a couple solitudes, maybe a fury or two, and then just like um, five fairy, three fairy and usually like a renin's a renin's sick and maybe uh there might be another there might have been another one they were running like some of them were running like four different planeswalkers mm-hmm. but just this super friends grindy value deck then azorius control with i thought was kind of funny third place was azorius control standard kind of control list with emrakul on the side as <laughs> gotta got pack that respect for Mill because <laughs> um shockingly enough not in fourth in fifth place Blue Black Mill, yep. <laughs> yeah, with three surgical in the main and three extirpate in the side. This <laughs> is <it's laughs> hilarious. <laughs> we'll all play Emrakul. We'll all play every single um, uh, graveyard removal spell. Yep. Uh, fifth place or fourth place was a, again a um, oh fourth place was a four color ETB tribal. So it, that's the Those like they're elementalists. Run, they're running the all the elementals. Yeah. So fury, solitude, endurance. They're running the four color omnath and then flicker effects to get tons of value. Obviously. Oh,
2: that's why they call it four color blink on, on goldfish. Like I'm trying to keep up with you guys, and oh, I see ephemeraites. Oh, I sorry. Oh, I's, Okay.
0: Yeah, it's just um, it's like the valueiest of value decks, and yep. it's it's pretty it fun. Like, I watched it get played, <laughs> and it play Of course, yep. it plays Yorian. <laughs> and J- Julian, how will we find space for all these other elementals yeah. if we don't play Yorian?
2: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What's going on? What, people are playing Ren and Six and and Lures of the Dream Den in modern.
0: Well, yeah. Dude, yep. Dude, I, like, I should Luris pay more attention like to everywhere. what's going on in modern again. Modern is um like modern kind of homogenizing down a little bit. The last couple of weeks have been a little rough, but realistically, for the last month or two, modern's been like awesome. I mean, it's been awesome enough that me and Matt both well Matt basically owned a modern deck, but I bought a modern deck like completely out of pocket.
1: Yeah, and the the cool thing about modern, I suppose, depending on how you look about, at it, modern still has a lot of those cards that got banned out of legacy from the modern horizons one and hopefully mm-hmm. modern horizons two sets
0: well it turns out ren and six is fine if you don't get wasteland right Dude, i have seen um colossus uh, hammer. ghost quarter loops what the fuck hammer time <laughs> yeah hammer time <laughs> steel shapers hammer times <laughs> By steel shapers gift used to be a legacy card
2: as well like 15 years ago
0: <laughs> um hammer times i mean hammer time is probably one of the like most common and up there with one of the best decks in modern right now like it's it's weird to not see like two hammer times in the top eight it looks yep. scary it has to us eight as well my gosh it's terrifying i was we were talking to matt i was talking to matt last week about like playing hammer time is i feel the same way as when i'm playing against infect in legacy like every time a creature attacks like i get goosebumps and i'm like oh shit <laughs> Is today the day I die?
1: <laughs> Two hammers? Yep,
0: because that's what it is. It's like Cigar like, aid man, they'll be like, I'll attack with my Mem No blocks? Twenty twenty. Yep. Oh, it's not even legendary. Dude huge oversight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There were a couple oversights when they printed Colossus Hammer. But yeah, that thing's bonkers. Um and then eighth place was the first time we've seen Mono Red Prowess come back. Like Mono Red Prowess is obviously a really popular deck in modern but we haven't seen it very much lately people have been opting to play Mono or uh, boros burn to kind of punish the dirtily decks and you know we had Burn, we had boros burn in ninth place but prowess came in at eighth straight P- prowess list with swift swift spears soul scar mages obviously you're running dragon rage channeler because why wouldn't you <laughs> and then i think i don't know if bone crusher is a, like a like a recent ad but it's just a really effective removal spell it's um, and it's obviously a 4 3 stapled onto it. I actually got got really hard by a Bone Crusher once. So I was playing as Monor Red Prowess and I had uh, Sanctifier and Vec, which is the new MH2 card yep. that has pro black, pro red. And so he swings in with like a couple Prowess guys. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll block one of them. Cause like he's trying to force damage through. Cast Stomp targeting me, buffs his team, <laughs> damage can't be prevented. Yep. And I was like, man, that's a rough punish. Wow. <laughs> Did not see that coming. Turns out I'm still uh, I'm still the kind of magic player that wants to put back to basics and price of progress together. <laughs> um, oh, the other thing I was gonna say was in that so one of the reasons I think we haven't seen mono red prowess as much is most of your burn decks are opting to put Luris in because Luris just gives you such insane value when most of your cards are under two mana or under three mana anyway. And this was mono red prowess, no Luris, and Probing that you know. Like we, we got into a bit of a war on Reddit one day with um not a war but talking to Reddit or modern players about like why doesn't everyone just play like Luris and like the general consensus seemed to be that because burn players are stubborn and don't want to <laughs> right and but uh, this yep Valium <laughs> uh who was it uh, what's his name uh Gabriel ninety Gabriel Lele ninety one <laughs> proved that you don't need Luris <laughs> to top eight a challenge um that's all we're gonna do for our recap this week obviously we're in short. So as we're coming to the end of our podcast, Matt, Julian, was there anything that I didn't bring up that we didn't cover that we wanted to go through before we wrap it up? Oh,
1: uh, um, that, that,
2: that's a very specific question. Um, I'm d- I don't know how to answer that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got yes. one question for Julia: sixty or sixty-one for elves? in like,
2: dude, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, that's what. I, that's I'm. I'm right there with you. Reddit would politely disagree. Yeah.
1: I normally have sixty-one. I just like having that extra card in the deck. For I mean, the, you gotta have a you know, reason it. for it.
2: Like I, I wrote. I guess if you guys want to put in the show notes, I, I once wrote a really long post on Reddit about um, the ideas and the trade-offs behind it, so I don't have to like type it out every single time. But I, I can yeah. definitely link it. <laughs> you just copy and paste it. Yeah. yeah, pretty. Actually, I link to it usually. But it it really goes down to that you 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 can't cut like one quarter of a heritage steward from your deck. So if you cut an entire heritage to it, that's like a really big thing. And I'd rather go to... Actually, I'm going way too deep into it because this, is, this the argument is super long. And that's probably something for a different podcast. It's, it's not only that. It's like many different things. And a big thing that you guys actually <laughs> mentioned you. when you talked about bigger decks is also like you got to have tutors. Like if you play Burn with 61 cards, that's completely pointless. But if you have tons of tutoring, that's the only scenario where I, I imagine it making
0: sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're gonna dilute your deck, you have got to be able to still find those cards you need.
1: And you have to again, you have to have a reason to do it. So cool. Awesome. Anything else?
0: Oh, by the way, um, no, while we're
1: that... at
2: it, tell me the most exciting thing about Indiana because I I know every single American state, and I think I can put put uh, p- um put them out like point them out on a map. But I don't really know much about Indiana other than if we talked about in the pre show, right, Gary, Indiana. But what's the most um, exciting thing uh, about I'm, Indiana?
0: So there's one like the one thing I would say that's like a really exciting thing as as a young adult who just bought his first house. Uh, property is really cheap in Indiana. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as really exciting, but like you can come to Indiana and you can buy like a little house on four acres for like a hundred wow. yeah, and fifty
1: thousand dollars. Yeah. The biggest thing I think Indiana is really known for would probably be the Indy five hundred. Uh yeah, it's one of the biggest races in the country. Probably one of the bigger races. It's a, it's a big NASCAR
0: world. race. It's the roundy rounds where they
1: racing's pretty big in the Midwest. Do they I mean, drive in
2: Osaka? But... Because I think I've seen that. Yep.
1: Yeah, there's NASCAR and... in general does big oval tracks yeah. and whatnot um the indy 500 track uh again is a big basically a big oval or circle yep. or whatever
0: if you have okay. ever had the jerk the the jokes where it's like you know you just turn left for six hours <laughs> wait six that's hours that's nascar it's, a cr- yeah, it, it's like yeah it's it's five it's it, it, no. no the it's Indy, 500 laps. The Indy 500 is 500 laps. And it's like once a year or how does it work?
1: Yeah, yes. the Indy 500 is yep, once, a once a
0: year. Yeah, it's once a year. And there are races like that all over the country. Like, the, like NASCAR racing is huge in Indiana. We're not particularly NASCAR fans, but uh NASCAR racing is huge in the United States because it's simple. <laughs> like in Europe they have uh what are the um what are the when they race through town? What are those cars? the F1 the F1 cars? Formula 1
1: yeah formula
0: like ne- like europe has formula one cars where they're like racing through towns on tight corners and hard turns well, it's, it, it, and- it's
2: really only like monaco i think yeah, all the other ones are like proper tracks. but yeah in monaco if you go to monaco you you literally drive through the town and it's also the most boring race in the entire year because nobody can ever yep. overtake anyone
0: yeah because it's just so narrow yeah and exactly in the states we have in the we, we turn left for five and a half hours
1: there's a little bit more to it than that
0: um, yeah i sit here and i make fun of people like these guys were i mean it's a very difficult thing they do but it's also yeah. easy for me to sit here and make fun of they turn left for five hours yep and we just lost every single nascar listener dude,
2: how, how do like how would you go about like um a nascar podcast like what do you say oh and the 400th lap like oh dude he really <laughs> turned very tight dude the i'm telling you
0: pe- people watch and like like, I've seen people talk about, like, doing analysis of NASCAR races and how people, like, fight for spots and you, you draft in and, like, you're, you're following people and you move around them to try and take position. Um,
1: I think NASCAR is actually, and this is true for a lot of racing and whatnot, obviously, NASCAR kind of scratches the same itch, again, I don't watch it, that, like, a good game of Magic, in my opinion, where the, it's all about incremental advantage, where it's, like, you're going to run this race for 500 laps. <laughs> like, you have to be, like, just you know tenths of a second on your race car matter so like you can just keep gaining on people and i think that it's got a lot of appeal i'm not personally a big fan of it um a lot of people are but
0: we went from the legacy podcast to to, the vintage podcast to the nascar podcast
1: but that's the thing you want to know what's exciting about indiana there's purdue university notre dame and the indy 500
0: i thought that wasn't france
1: (laughs) the notre dame university
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Indiana, Indiana is uh, affectionately called a flyover state. It's one of them you you pass over when you're going somewhere to do something fun.
1: Yeah, well, it's a good there. It's a the Midwest is a great place to like raise a family, but it, they're not vacation spots. Yep, you get yeah. a decent job. You got relatively inexpensive, you know, cost of living. Okay, but if you want to go do something exciting, okay, you so go somewhere else. How
2: how hard would it be for you to to go to New York? because that's the only place in the US that I'm aware of that has direct flights to Kenya.
1: Um there's I think I think it's I think like 200 bucks you can get a flight to New. Yeah, so there's two different ways to look at this. Uh the Midwestern person in me just goes, "Well, I mean, I'm sure that's only like a 15-hour drive."
0: Yeah, that'd be doable.
1: <laughs> so like oh, I fuck? could drive there tomorrow if Well, I wanted to. well uh,
0: Frederick, Maryland was only 9 so it's it's probably between nine and twelve hours. Yep. Yeah. Like, it, um, we drive to, and I say me personally, but when I was young, we drive to Florida. Like, there are people that drive to Florida. It's a like eighteen hour drive every. Yep. Don't you like don't you spend more
2: on like gas going to Florida? You you need to like refill your tank like several times. Don't worry yes about and it. No.
0: it. It's part of. The, I think I think well, like part it's of the usually experience. families. So if they've got, oh yeah, it's it's part of it, and that's part of the vacation is you know everyone spends the week together. They spend three or four days in the car, but the other part of that is like when you start getting airfare for like you know a mom, a dad, and two kids, you're probably looking at I think it's like 150 bucks to fly to Florida if you can get cheap. So that's 300, 600 bucks. And well, in fairness, when gas isn't what right now it's like 350 a gallon. Usually I think we'd spend like 200 bucks on gas to go there and back.
1: Yeah, I I I only had to fill my take up now. I do have a pretty big gas tank in my truck, but I filled it up uh, once on the way to Atlanta, and that was like eight hours away.
0: But you are correct, Julian. It is a factor <laughs> when you start yeah, driving that far. It, it is – like if me and my wife were to drive to Florida, it probably would be cheaper just to fly.
1: Yeah. I usually put my limit at about – like if I could drive there in a day, like if I could get up in the morning like mm-hmm. I normally would and – Drive directly there. I'll drive there. If I'm gonna have to stop on the way and get a hotel and then keep driving, so like when I went out to Seattle or whatever, that that's a flight. Mm-hmm. It's like a three-day drive of yeah. just
0: pure driving. Yeah, to drive from Indiana. Well, that's one in of Seattle, those things that would
2: actually I would like to do, like to, to do a road trip all across the U.S. and and like maybe even go to the more. Well, I was going to call them obscure states. That's probably not the best way to put it. (laughs) Like,
1: There's plenty of obscure states. (laughs) Yeah, the
2: the ones that are less populated, right? The the one I know the least about is Nebraska, for example. I only know Nebraska because it came up in in, um, Forrest Gump, like not the movie, the book. And Mm -hmm. I I would love to see like that part and also like go further to like Wyoming and and, like Montana, like all those places that nobody ever talks about because there's nothing happening, but they have like beautiful landscape. That's where, where I would like to go on a road trip.
0: I would love to go to like I I'd love to go to Montana or Wyoming and work on a horse ranch for like a week or two. They do dude ranch stuff where you can go and be a cowboy for huh. a week. I grew up on a horse farm. You you did? Yeah,
2: I did. Never scared of horses. I grew
0: up I grew up on a horse farm. I was a that, well, I'm not scared of horses. I was a professional trainer for a little while. I uh, spent a lot of time training horses and teaching kids to ride. And even a year or two ago, a friend of mine does they she gentles mustangs from Wyoming. So they capture wild horses. They trailer them over and we uh, gentle them so they can be adopted. They literally have wild horses in Wyoming? Yep. Yes. And it's the reason they're doing this is we have so many wild horses, they're actually like dying because there's not enough food for them. That's, That's the, the yeah, craziest that was-
2: thing I've ever heard. Like we have wild horses in Germany, <laughs> but it's like a very tiny area and technically they're wild, but I mean, yeah, whatever. But like the mm-hmm. idea that in the US you, you just like go to this place and there's like wild horses roaming around. Oh, yeah. It's crazier to yeah, like, me than going to Kenya on a safari or something.
1: There's so much wilderness in the United States. That I don't, like, if you sit down and think about it, you'd go, oh, yeah, obviously. But people just kind of take it as for they take it for granted that most people live in these big cities and whatnot, even in the less populated states. They live in these like population hubs. And there's so much just empty space in the United States. Like there is a lot. It's It's ridiculous. The country's huge.
0: Yep. I mean, even in Indiana, we don't have as much forest, but, like, we're cornfield central. Like, Indiana is the land of corn. Yeah. You drive through Indiana, and you'll spend hours and hours driving through. Oh, Indiana's the land of corn. Cornfield. Okay,
2: that goes the only thing I ever knew
0: about Nebraska.
1: Well, there's plenty of, there's plenty of lands of corn. <laughs> yeah, we aren't the only ones. <laughs> Basically, anywhere in what's called the heartland is going to be corn central.
0: Yep. It was funny. I went to, um, I've lived in Indiana my whole life, and I've traveled a couple times, but not a ton. And I did, I took a trip to the UP, upper peninsula of Michigan for a school trip and was just blown away by how beautiful it was up there because it's all beautiful hilly and a little mountainous and there's just forest and rolling hills, a beautiful green old growth forest. And I realized how ugly Indiana is. It's yep. not very pretty.
1: It it can be, but like if you drive in like the county areas and whatnot, uh, you can literally see for miles because it's just been all flattened for farmland. Yep.
0: Yeah, we got lots of big yellow squares. Yep. And, and speaking of, well, of of Michigan, by the way, have you guys been to Detroit? I've been to Detroit a couple times. It's not a great place. I'm
1: not gonna lie. I've literally been too scared to go to Detroit.
2: Is it because <laughs> of the wolves? Because that, that's the one thing I read about it. That like in downtown Detroit, they, they actually have like wolves, like wolf packs running around. Yeah, wolves are
0: coming back in that's, because there's so few people.
1: Yeah, I mean it's basically been abandoned. Uh, a few years ago, we were. Um, when my wife and I were looking for a house, I just, like, brought up... I was just like, I wonder what Detroit's looking like. You can buy a house for, like, $10,000.
0: Jeez Louise. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's
2: like, that's less than a Black Lotus. That's,
1: like, because there's just... Nobody lives there, because it's just, you know... I mean, some the must be belt. living
0: there, right? Yeah. yeah some people other live other there. Divorce. There's,
1: <laughs> there's, there's, there's more
0: houses than people, though. Yeah. They're almost far. giving them away.
1: Which is kind of, It's just kind of sad, because, like, if you look in the rest of... Like, a lot of Midwest, any... You know, like Lafayette, West Lafayette, there's... They're basically booming. Like housing prices are going through the roof, developments through mm-hmm. the roof, and then you have places like major cities that are just falling yeah. apart. Falling apart.
2: Hope everybody had a good time listening to the real estate cartel.
1: <laughs> Anything else you want to know about Indiana?
0: <laughs> uh, I, I learned a lot about Indiana today. That's amazing. <laughs> our national Our national tree is the tulip tree, Tulipa ferriliriodendron. What's your state Jake's motto? A
1: super nerd. Uh, get out while you still can. <laughs> No, our state motto is "Don't worry, you'll come back."
2: Apparently, right. your state motto is "Crossroads of America." That's pretty name, yep. yep. honestly. Like we well, said, it's it, a, the funny thing is, it's it is actually state.
1: true. Um, there's there was a lot of like trading and whatnot that went. Obviously, you know, it's connecting the east and the west coast. Uh, trains were huge. There was a lot of like just a, the Midwest was very much a uh, transportation hub.
0: A big reason it's called the Crossroads of America is Indiana is, as far as the Midwest goes, one of the longest states or tallest. So like it just it's um, from north to south it's so long so on top of a lot of things Matt said just it being so tall just means more important roads pass through it. Yep, yeah. you should come if you're ever in Indiana or if you're ever in the states and you're doing like you're traveling around and seeing states and you pop into Indiana like let us know we'll come hang out and we'll get together and play some legacy. You can
1: see nothing for miles. <laughs> it's Dude, I think
2: I want to see nothing for miles. I mean that's part of the the allure of going to like national parks and stuff. Yep. I mean, I guess it Indiana is. isn't a national park, but yeah.
0: <laughs> in Brown County, we have a really big... I don't think it's a national, but it's a really large state park. And it's it's pretty large. And it's beautiful to go camping
1: in. Yeah, Lake Michigan's really cool, too.
0: Yep. Yeah, you should come see it. I tell you what, Julian. If you come see us in Indiana, we'll maybe come on a safari. That sounds like a deal. Uh, you know what? Maybe, you
2: maybe my boss is going to going to pay for my flight to the u.s and then i'm going to sell you that seems like like cheating (laughs)
0: because we have to pay for our safari
2: well i can give it to you cheaper like i definitely can give it to you for like much cheaper rates actually
0: well
1: anyway uh let's end the podcast let's get this i i've always Um, wanted to go to africa i think that'd be awesome
0: it could be really cool well as we wrap our episode up julian was there anything else you wanted to plug do you want to throw everyone um your contact information again just in case they want to get a hold of you yeah if you guys want to find me i'm
2: at it's julian23 on twitter it's julian on twitch and that's pretty much if you want to follow the everyday eternal podcast where we sometimes also talk about legacy it's at eternal mtg on twitter and yeah you can just like plug everyday eternal into any kind of podcatcher
0: yep they're they're definitely popular enough that they'll come up first (laughs) yeah
2: well, there's not so many it's a, um, podcasts named every day, Journal, I guess.
0: We are Cantrip Cartel. Like I said in the beginning, we're proud members of the uh, Soccer's Podcast Network. If you ever want to check us out, feel free to hit us up at gmail.com. Send us a message. Hit up our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel and check out our website at uh, cantripcartel at anchor.fm. Other than that, is there anything else I'm forgetting?
1: I think we got it. Just well, want to say thank you to Julian. We really yep. appreciate it. Thank
0: you very much, Julian. It was wonderful having you on the podcast, and it was wonderful having your insights and all of my crackpot themes. Yeah, it
1: was great to listen to you shit on Jake for an hour. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's what you pay me for, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Wait, are we paying him? Oh, you're already dead. I am. I'm under the table. I'm like, okay, just be cool.
0: And on that note, I think we will see you guys next week.
1: All right. Have a nice night, guys.